I think it's very important to understand the big picture and really understand the problems at depth because only then. So I go into that a lot in the book uh, before I even talk about Bitcoin because unless we really understand what the problem is, we cannot see why Bitcoin would be the solution. But it becomes incredibly clear that Bitcoin is one of the uh, most important solutions to civilizational collapse once we understand what the problem really is. Hello and welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. I'm here with Knut Svanholm and Nico from Consensus Network. And I'm your host, Luke, aka BTC Pseudofin. Today, we are happy to have a special guest with us who I'm going to let Knut talk a little bit more about. So Knut, over to you. Yeah, today I'm excited uh, because today we have in the the studio with us. It's not really in the studio with us. It's you know we're all in separate rooms, but uh, we have with us uh, one of my favorite Bitcoin philosophers since a long while back, uh, and a longtime collaborator of mine, uh, Dr. Yoni Appleberg, who has just uh, written a, a book of his own. Uh, the book is called Abundance Through Scarcity, and we're going to chat a bit about that book here today. So this is the first time that that book has been announced ever, I, I think. Uh, so we're happy uh, to tell you that it will be available in a, yeah, a couple of months from now, maybe, from the Consensus Network uh, webpage. Uh, and we're looking forward to everything in that. And uh, if you don't know Yoni from Yoni's uh, earlier works, he's an animator also. Uh, that's his uh, what he's most famous for at this point. And he's made these lovely little um, animations about uh, all sorts of things Bitcoin related, uh, including I think it's like eight at this point of of uh, of my texts that have been animated narrated by guys one and nar- animated by yoni appleberg um uh, so very proud to have you here yoni uh, welcome to the freedom footprint show thank you thank you so much thank you for having me on i'm very excited good to hear that so um yeah uh, first of all i'm i'm going to do the ego thing and say that i'm very happy that you finished your book and started animating again Uh, it's been a long process yeah this is also an announcement we're working on uh, another video and hopefully a couple of other videos um, but we're not really going to focus on those uh, during during this session but what we would like to hear more about is your book that yeah I just noticed when I, I scrolled through it I mean I I got a first draft of it like a couple of months back, and uh, I read that and and uh, tried to help you best I could a bit. But since then, the the book has grown, so now it's much much thicker than my uh, three pamphlets, uh, and uh, I, I'm very impressed with how ambitious this book is. And uh, the the what I've read so far is simply brilliant. Uh, I it's full of little. Um, 
metaphor gems here and there, and uh, it's written from a uh, medical doctor's perspective. Uh, you use many uh, analogies to uh, to medicine and to the human body and the human anatomy and life and death and such things in the book and how the brain functions and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, we'd like to talk a bit more about the book. Uh, what are your own thoughts now that it's almost done? Relief. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> you know the feeling, yeah. yeah. I remember in... Uh... Um, what you call it, gymnasium. Um, my Swedish professor said that I, when, a gymnasium, uh, a high high school, I guess. Is that high school? Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh. So in high school or college? Uh, Which one is college? It? <laughs> college probably. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So college. Uh, my Swedish professor uh, said that upon choosing a topic for an essay, you should you should choose a topic uh, that you feel that you cannot write more than a sentence about. And that's what I did, and it turned out to be 400 pages. Uh, and that topic, that topic would be Bitcoin. That topic would be Bitcoin. And I so, so, what was the first sentence you ever wrote about Bitcoin? Can you remember that? Like your oh, first. Oh, that's a brilliant question! Wow, I love doing <laughs> podcasts with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. If only, I, if only I could have prepared for that question. Uh, I have no idea, but I still well, want to find out. You couldn't have prepared for that question because I didn't prepare that question. It just came to mind. So, uh, yeah. So, so when we're done with the, this conversation, I will have to go and uh, have a look. That that's a brilliant question. Okay, that's in interesting. So. Yeah. Um, should I introduce myself? Maybe you did that. Yeah, the next please, level please, that. please introduce yourself a little more. Uh, the things I've said so far is that you're an animator and a medical doctor and now an author as well. But please introduce yourself a little more. So my name is Yoni Appleberg. I am based in Sweden, um, and I I mine fiat as a physician, and. Uh, Besides that, I'm a I'm a Bitcoin content creator, so that's about it. And um, yeah, the book. Yeah, please tell us uh, a little bit about the book. Can you can you give us uh, a short introduction, and then we'll expound on that. Absolutely, that's a good idea. So the title is uh, I'm very proud of this book. So I'm very happy to get to to talk about it. And uh, the title is Abundance Through Scarcity. I'm also very proud of the title. And it's about the effects of absolute monetary scarcity on the economy and human culture, including science, technology, mental health, and very importantly, spiritual health. It's a, it's a big picture book. It looks at the long arc of, of the human species, of human history, um, how we evolved from being hunter-gatherers to where we are now and what we're becoming next. And it looks at how we have progressed as a species and a civilization through the evolution of our technology. And it looks at what Bitcoin as a technology means for the future of civilization and the human species. And my thesis is this. Bitcoin could be one of the most important technologies for advancing the human project ever conceived. And if the Bitcoin project progresses successfully, then we will see a future that is going to be extraordinarily abundant, meaning that we will be richer, we will be freer, 
we will have more time, we will have vastly increased health spans and lifespans, and we will have technology that will be nothing short of magic. So that's sort of what the book is, um, what, is uh, what it's about. And, um, well, I wrote it because no one, I felt, had written about the, um, the long-term effects of Bitcoin on, uh, on civilization before. So, so I, I wanted to write that book, and I did. And I think it's especially relevant now, seeing that we as a civilization have a choice to make. We are a society in decline heading toward civilizational collapse. Much like the Romans, the Mesopotamians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the, uh, the, Persian, the Persians, the Asian, the Chinese, the, the Mayans, the Aztecs, and so on, we have forgotten that we have had fairly advanced civilizations before that have collapsed. They are no longer with us. They are no longer on the planet. And with them, uh, they, had some, they, had, they had technology, just like we do, but not as advanced as we as our technology, but they vanished from the surface of the planet and with them their technology. And the same thing could happen to us. We are a species with amnesia, as famously um, said by Graham Hancock. We are a species with amnesia. We, we forget what happens to civilizations at certain points. And we should really talk about the evidence for, for um, for this as well, for the signs and symptoms of the civilizational collapse that we're seeing. Because it's not, it's not very evident. If we just go outside, we, do, we go to our jobs, we mine our fiat, we meet friends, we go to school, we do all these things. And it doesn't look like civilization is collapsing. But that's, that's a mirage, because um, a civilizational collapse is not very evident to any one generation. A civilizational collapse does not happen overnight. It takes hundreds of years. So, so when society is in decline, it can be hard to tell, but we have a lot of evidence that we are a civilization in decline, heading towards collapse. And, uh, and we should really talk about that because that's a, that's a big part of the book, um, seeing like what, we ha- what we are about to face as a civilization and what, we, what can be done about that. Um, yeah. yeah maybe i have a, a question here on that is so do you do you build the book then showing this i guess evidence of you call civilizational collapse and then build bitcoin into it as somehow something that uh might solve these potential issues that's the structure i have been aiming for in in the last iteration, but I'm not sure that I've been successful. And here I am hopeful that uh, Nico can can help me to sort of get the get the final structure uh, to really uh, convey that message in the best way possible, because that's the overall message that I want to convey. And and I mean it's it's very it's it's very dark in a sense. It's a um, it's a I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit of it's a, it's a little bit of this disaster porn, but uh, I'm also prefacing that on a very with a very optimistic note, 
because we live in um, uh, such an epic time. And I believe that, well, I, I see three reasons for being very optimistic about the future. And, and one of them is, uh, well, actually, let me ask you, uh, do you know what's tomorrow? Does anybody know? I won't blame you. <laughs> do I? Do we know what? What's tomorrow? What's What's tomorrow? What happens tomorrow? <laughs> it's a milestone for humanity going down tomorrow. It's something oh, incredibly so. important. Okay, so the specific date, the 29th of August, the um, uh, in 2022. What happens then? What happens then? Um, we are entering the new space era. The Artemis 1 mission is launching tomorrow. We are going back to the oh. moon for the first time in 50 years. Since 1972, we're going back to the moon. We haven't been there for 50 years. And now we're going there to establish a permanent human presence. And this is going to jumpstart a new golden age for space exploration. And imagine we haven't been there for 50 years. And now we're bringing technology that is 50 years more advanced than what we had last time we went. If we and, ever went. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not only uh, it's, it's the, the, first, uh, the first mission, the first program, the Artemis 1 mission, that, that's just the start. We have, we have a program that stretches for decades and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty epic. That, um, you know, I, was hearing, I was hearing all this stuff about what the fuck happened in 1971, but maybe it was all just that we stopped going to the moon in 1972. <laughs> um, when's Apollo 21 happening? <laughs> Apollo 21. You know, Art Artemis is a very good uh, uh, name for this mission. I'm very, um, they've uh, thought about this. It's very fitting because uh, Artemis is the twin sister of Apollo. And Apollo, the Apollo program was, was the uh, first uh, program that, uh, that landed people on the moon. And now Apollo's sister, Artemis, is, is bringing us back. Uh, so it's very poetic in a sense. It's a, it's a spiritual sibling um, mission. Nice. Uh, so that's one thing, yeah? The only, I have a couple of comments and questions about the introduction of the book and uh, like the, the premise of the book. Uh, these civilizational collapses you talk about, they're uh, almost always accompanied by a uh, devaluation of of the money that that society uses, right? And uh, all all societal collapses or civilizational collapses are uh, preceded by an inflation of the money money supply. Uh, that's what happened to to the Romans and uh, the Mesopotamians and the Babylonians and ev practically every great civilization. This, this uh, is very true, and it's a very good point. And, and I will absolutely uh, come back to that. I will yeah. circle back to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah we'll, let me just, let's uh, circle. Same. Okay. Let me just talk about why I'm optimistic about the future first, uh, but because I think that's important and it's going to um, tie back to uh, the civilizational collapse as well. And the, the, we have the new space era beginning tomorrow. Maybe it began with the, with the James Space tele Telescope, maybe. Either way, we're entering that era. And the second thing is that we have a new psychedelic renaissance, and that's equally important. Uh, we have virtually no legal opposition to reintroducing psychedelics into society anymore. It's, uh, it, it's a freight train, and it's coming. There's virtually no major university not involved in this anymore. 
everybody wants to do research on psychedelics. Stopped the psychedelic research in the early 70s. And since then, so, so we've lost basically 50 years of research, but just in the last decade alone, we have compensated for that. Um, and we have produced more new science on psychedelics than we have in, in, in all of history. And and that's very important. And I will come back to why that is important. The third thing is, of course, that we have discovered Bitcoin. So the world is changing. The world is changing fast. And we are diving headfirst into a, a civilization of collapse, an, an apocalypse, if you will. And if it weren't for the fact that we are going back into space and reintroducing psychedelics into society, and if it weren't for Bitcoin, I believe that the entire human civilization could be dissolved in a few hundred, a few hundred years. Uh, the, the, the reason why the space era and psychedelics and Bitcoin are important are because they are, they are very difficult projects that, that we are using to push frontiers. We need incredibly difficult challenges in order to, to develop as a technological civilization. We have previously used war for that. Um, fighting armed battles is incredibly difficult and that has uh, stimulated a lot of our technology and imagine being being um, just a homo sapiens walking uh, uh, foraging the the lands of uh, africa looking up at the moon not really knowing what what it, what it is and then actually landing on it actually going there that's an incredibly difficult thing to do and upon t- uh, taking on that mission has really uh, developed us as a civilization. Another thing is medicine. I mean, we get sick, we, we get old, we, uh, we acquire diseases and we get old and we die. And extending the human lifespan, curing diseases, that's another project that is uh, so insanely difficult. But we have taken on that project and we have developed technological, uh, technologically after civilization. And now we have space era, psychedelics, and Bitcoin pushing frontiers again. And this is, uh, this is very important for uh, sort of parrying the uh, civilizational collapse. If I may play the devil's advocate a bit here, there's, there's one, one word that I react to very strongly when you talk about this thing, and that is the word we. Uh, and like you said something about the human project in the beginning. And we as a civilization, and we are doing this, and we are doing that. And uh, it's a bit like when 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 people are saying we won the World Cup, uh, speaking about the, the 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 soccer team, the football team that won the World Cup when they, when they didn't win anything, they just happened to be born in the same country as the as the players that did, uh, because I, the the danger I see in this like. Uh, wanting bitcoin to to uh, enable the exploration of outer and inner space or whatever uh is that it's not it's not up to any we entity to decide it's up to the market to decide where the resources go and it might so be that uh the free market will not choose space exploration as a uh, as a good thing after all nasa and the uh this our team is project it's it's tax funded and it's not something that people chose voluntarily it's more uh that they're they're forced to to pay for it via a, a hidden threat 
they're coerced into paying for it via taxes. So, so, so I think like if you maybe if you if you dream of this, of course, I love space exploration and and all sorts of other fat research about stuff too. But uh, but I think there's a danger there to to attaching your own interests and your own wants and needs to what you think will happen in the future because none of us knew what's going to happen tomorrow uh, and none of us will ever know what will happen tomorrow because that's the nature of the future so i think the 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 first and foremost thing that bitcoin solves it it's is that it removes the we uh, from the equation the we uh, the collectivist we of course we can we can refer to us single single individuals as a we too but we have to remember that we're all different and we all have our own priorities and our own you know given uh, hand of cards which are our resources that we have to uh, th- that we can we can spend our assets our money uh, we all have limited limited time and energy and our own free wills. So what do you say to that? Is there anything about that in the book? The space and, uh, exploration. Before you go into that, John, if I, can I just jump in a little bit and add to that, mm-hmm. what Knut just said? Uh, yeah, yeah, Knut, I, I hear what you're saying and I agree with uh, V versus me. Um, we is kind of a gateway truck to collectivism, right? I mean, it's, it's very easy to go into this like uh, idea of us is better than me and thinking about me is selfish and wrong which is of course you know that's that's not correct because um every we is is composed of individual me's and it just so happens that the best way to reach individual goals like uh, yoni said like uh, you know hey look at the moon you know let's go there that's an individual goal that's not like oh let's all go there you know let's let's it's good for all of us it's just that i want to go there how do I get their best? And the, the, the answer to that is this division of labor, right? And that's where Nash equilibrium comes in. And that's like Bitcoin is the, is the purest manifestation of that idea, right? I mean, it's just all about me and it's not selfish. It's just pure logic. Like you cannot undertake these huge human projects by yourself. You need help, right? And it's not because of the magical we, collectivism, you know, somehow we are all responsible. We are all individually responsible for all these goals and, and, and these undertakings. And we work together to uh, achieve those. And to that end, I would just add one more thing that is like we, the so-called we, collectivist we, has always historically been wrong about everything. And we is only correct or right by proxy to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you 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 we, these these um inventions and and these uh, innovations that come from me they suddenly become mainstream at some point once it becomes useful and obvious to everybody like let's look at internet and and in the future bitcoin and then everybody we is suddenly right about that because everybody's using that but it all starts with me and that's all i have to say about that this space exploration will live and die by its benefit to society. We cannot deny that we are a global civilization made up of human beings. We are no longer 
isolated um, societies. We are too interconnected to not call ourselves to call ourselves anything but a global civilization, and we can only achieve these these really uh, big goals and projects through a collaboration as a species. The more flexibly that we can collaborate and the more people that we can bring into these collaborations, the further we can reach. That is not the same as collectivism on a political level in society. It's a, it's a bigger perspective than that. We are one species, and in order to uh, become a multiplanetary species, we absolutely must collaborate with as many people as possible. And also, um, just another comment on that, um, there are, when I say we, I'm not personally contributing to, uh, to NASA and the, the space exploration, but I am contributing indirectly in the sense that there's, there's this uh, narrative, this cultural narrative that we uh, are at risk of overpopulation. And I think that's, that's very wrong. I think, if anything, we should fear depopulation. And what we're seeing is depopulation, and that is a sign and symptom of civilizational collapse. The depopulation is a very severe problem. And even if just a tiny, tiny fraction of the human population is actually contributing to advancing the human project, we need a lot of people to push, uh, to push the frontiers. For example, we are sitting here using technology. We are using electricity. And it's very important that we do because the more people that use um, technology and electricity, the more incentive we will provide to invent new computational platforms, new ways of producing energy, and also to produce more of it. So consumers are very important. I'm not talking about consumerism as we know it today, where I'm not speaking about mindless consumption, but rather the type of uh, consumption that advances humanity. So yes, I'm using the, the term we a lot in the book to refer to uh, the entirety of uh, the human civilization, the global human civilization and uh, the homo sapiens species. You know, I think I think the point of of we also in the concept of the show, as I understand it, and I, I have a feeling maybe Nico and Knut also maybe have different different views, but here's mine: is that is that the freedom dioxide that is Bitcoin and increasing the freedom footprint? I, I think it ties in with this idea that if we are all participating in society in our own way and that it's a positive thing then it has these effects that you're talking about to bring it back to the nasa example yes. it's yes. not this very good point yes very right. nice very nicely put luke yes yeah i if i may uh i'd like to add to um, you're actually paying for nasa uh, every day sure. by using by using a fiat currency because the dollar is the world's reserve currency and uh what that all oil, oil is priced in dollars uh hence the word the petrodollar so whenever the fed prints new dollars 
they print oil and everyone else pays for it. So like the, uh, um, whenever, when you remember, remember Trump, who was called like the biggest capitalist ever and an evil, uh, here in the Nordic countries, he was called an evil capitalist. But w- what people don't realize is when he handed out, what was it like a thousand dollars per per each American citizen uh, during COVID, those handouts were paid for by money printing, uh, so and quantitative easing. So everyone else was paying for his handouts. So Trump, being a communist, was paid for by you, Yoni, <laughs> in, in the in the more free market on oriented Sweden. And this is so so in reverse from how how people think the world works. Uh, the the but the, the the simple truth of the matter is that the more money printing we have, the more of a planned economy we live in. And I'm deliberately using the word we here because it is a we, because there's an agenda. It's a planned economy. It's social engineering, and it should go away as fast as possible. And we should use these these rules of chess that, that Bitcoin is, that we've found. And whenever we play by the, the rules that there's a, a consensus around, which is the Bitcoin protocol, then then we have a way of interacting with each other where we don't need a third party. And ironically, we get the ability we get the ability to trust each other back. So don't trust verify leads to a society where we can trust each other to a greater extent, and thereby reaching our goals uh, through fewer means because the division of labor works and trade works, and therefore everyone's better off. That's how I view it anyway. And that goes very well in hand with what Luke said. And maybe maybe we should go on go on and talk about uh, the uh, causes of civilizational collapse and the evidence that we have for it. What do you say? Absolutely, that that was like what my first question was yeah, supposed yeah, to be exactly. about. But then we, <laughs> as one does, we went off and we got yeah. sidetracked. <laughs> sidetracked as always. Yeah, you mentioned um, failing money as, as, as um, one issue that precedes civilizational collapse, and that is absolutely that is very true. Uh, like uh, the the main issue with all civilizational yeah. collapse, I yeah. would say yes. the the, yes. the big hidden hidden fact from history. Yes, it's a big hidden fact fact from history, and historically, uh, pretty much all civilizations have collapsed for the same reasons, as far as we know, and those three reasons are war, disease, and failing money. And speaking about war, it's, it's, this is counterintuitive, seeing that we are living in the most peaceful time in human history, as far as we know. We have fewer hot wars than ever. However, uh, these wars have only transposed from land, sea, and the skies into, into the cyberspace. We have invented all these proxy wars, and this is the J- Jason Lowry theory, right? That um, we have become so good at hot war that we can no longer practice it. We cannot use our most advanced weapons anymore because if we do, we send ourselves back to the Stone Age. So we had to invent proxy wars in order to keep fighting wars. And wars are they are tragic, but they are important. Uh, and we have these proxy wars now. Uh, and that we have cyber wars, but we also have cultural conflicts. We have polarization and weaponized morality. So even if we have fewer hot wars than ever, we still have more conflicts than ever. So that is present. The second thing is a disease. Uh, 
if we look at the the for take for example the bubonic plague of the 14th century the middle ages in europe it's a it's the most devastating pandemic in in history as far as we know and when we think about pandemics we usually think about pandemics in terms of infectious disease and we are not seeing any pandemics of infectious disease on par with the bubonic plague we had covid but that's not a blip on the radar compared to the bubonic plague which killed one third of the european population but we have other diseases we have a global mental health crisis and the effects of the types of war that we have and the diseases that we have on civilization are the same as the things that we had before when earlier civilizations have collapsed. The effects on civilization are the same. So uh, we have this mental health crisis primarily affecting the, the young. We have an entire generation suffering from mental illness where the symptoms range from very from mild to very severe. We don't know what's causing it. We don't know where this came from. We don't know where it's going, if it's staying, and we're, we're not sure what to do about it. But it's here, it's, it's very real, and, it's a, and it's, a, it's a powerful pandemic. It's a, it's a calamity. We also have increasing prevalence, rising numbers of diabetes type 2. That is another type of pandemic. It's not an infectious disease but we still have rising numbers of diabetes. And the effects of civilization are the same as if we had another bubonic plague, because what these diseases do is that they uh, drastically reduce the workforce. And it's, it costs a lot of resources to deal with these diseases. And it stagnates the economy. So these the, the diseases that we have now, they prevent the advancement of the human project just as well as the bubonic plague would have if we saw it again. And the third thing is, of course, failing money. Whenever there has been a problem, uh, a big problem, governments in, at, in all times have uh, resorted to currency debasement to solve these problems, essentially trying to create a bigger budget for handling the problem and well it always fails but the problem that we have now is even bigger because yes we have currency debasement and inflation and prices rising and that's that's terrible that's uh, that's bad but it's even worse than that because it's not only our money that is failing it's the entire monetary system that is failing the entire monetary system is imploding and that's uh, that's a bigger problem that we have seen uh, in in uh, earlier civilizational collapses, as, as far as we know. And when these three things—war, disease, and failing money—converge, that's a real threat to society. That's a real threat to civilization. Um, if yeah. I may jump jump in, Johnny, uh, I, I uh, I'd like to to comment on that by saying that you can't have one without the other. Uh, because I think that they're so connected. Uh, when when we say you, you hear like people like Hans Rosling and Steven Pinker, all, they they always say that we're living in the most peaceful times ever, and there are fewer wars than ever. But that's not entirely truthful because you could view what you're living in now as 
an ongoing war between between nation states and their populations. So the nation states won. Uh, so the so and they enslaved all of us and forced us to pay taxes and pay for inflation yes. all the time. Yes. So 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 World War One, which is when we went off the gold standard, when we started going off the gold standard the first first time, is not over yet. And it was all financed by by uh, by money printing, and then uh, Germany was in collapse. The Weimar Republic happened, and then money pr- and w- which had a great constitution, by the way, very freedom oriented, looked very nice, and they seemed to have things going for them. And then hyperinflation hit again, <laughs> uh, and we had the Second World War, also mainly funded by by money printing. And by by claiming that they had more than they 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 really had in their vaults, uh, and it's and it's still ongoing, and and fiat has a lot to do with all these pan- pandemics you're talking about. Where we're, we have these pandemics of diabetes and obesity, and you know, anorexia and and you know, teenage suicides and stuff. We have those because life is so fucking depressing in fiat land, because because of. This endless consumerism that fills uh, that does nothing for filling the void in our hearts. We have no purpose anymore, so we so we just spend frivolously and try to buy happiness. Uh, and no one admits to themselves that they really they really are prisoners of of a corrupt system. And so, so t- to me, these three examples you give of wh- why why societies collapse, they're all interconnected, and they're all connected to the money printing because that. That funds the wars, and the money printing. A side effect of the money printing uh, is the the civilizational decline connected diseases, if if you so will. Uh, maybe the, the, those weren't as common in Babylonia and Mesopotamia, but they had other diseases to worry about. Uh, but but they sure are here, and they they are sure connected to the money somehow. You know what I think, Knut? I think you're right on the Bitcoin. Yeah, right on the money, but right on the Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're absolutely you're on point. That's uh, exactly right. So what I'm doing in the book is I'm also looking at what 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 it meant to be a human being uh, when we were hunter gatherers, and what it means to be a human being now. And I'm addressing the issue that you that you're raising here about being. Um, why are we so alone? Why are we so isolated? Why are we so depressed? And uh, I'm 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 addressing that issue as well because it's a very valid question that you're that you bring. That um, so yeah, when you when you outsource uh, when you outsource uh, the family's responsibilities to the state, so your yes. you, your your grandparents are taken care of by the state instead of a by you. Uh, then what you're doing is you're and and the same thing with feminism. You're replacing the the imaginary tyrant, the husband, with the the re- very real tyrant, the state, <laughs> uh, it's 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 all connected and it's all making us alone. So yes. so it's uh, uh, and it's it's tragic and the, and we here in this room and many with us believe that Bitcoin can fix this also, but by by you know hearing what we actually want because Bitcoin cares about not what so much what we say and what we virtue signal about. It cares about what we do and how we allocate our resources. So rules without rulers, it's a solution to everything. 
I think it's very important to understand the big picture and really understand the problems at depth, because only then. So I go into that a lot in the book uh, before I even talk about Bitcoin, because unless we really understand what the problem is, we cannot see why Bitcoin would be the solution. But it becomes incredibly clear that Bitcoin is one of the uh, most important solutions to civilizational collapse once we understand what the problem really is. And um, I mean, we see, we see a lot of, um, I, th I think we should talk a bit about the, uh, the evidence for, or the signs and symptoms of the civilizational collapse, I should say. One thing that we, uh, that we are seeing is, of course, the ecological collapse. And we are overfishing the seas. We have no way of how to handle our garbage. It's a very fragile system. And if we look at how we, in, this, in the Western pocket of civilization, um, are dealing with uh, the ecological collapse and causing the ecological collapse, and compared to, the, to shamanic cultures of the South Americas, uh, of South America and Australia and so on, we can see that we have something that they don't have, and they have something that we don't have. We have all this incredible technology. If we collapse as a civilization, we will leave, uh, leave remnants that other civilizations have not. We will leave uh, metal in space and plastic in the oceans. No other civilizations have done that. And that's because we are technologically advanced, more so than other civilizations have ever been. But the shamanic cultures have something that we don't have. They have a wisdom that we have forgotten or lost somewhere. When we look at nature, we see a resource. When they look at nature, they see themselves. They are connected to nature in a way that we are not. We have lost connection in the Western pocket of civilization. And when the shamanic cultures look at us, they see a disease. They see that we are lacking something very important, very human. It's just lost in our civilization. We lack connection with each other. We lack connection to the future. We lack connection with nature and with the universe. But they have connection. And when they look at us, they feel sad for us. Because connection is one of the most basic and most important human uh, emotions that exist. And we have even lost, um, we don't even know what the word means anymore. So when I say connection, few people can really relate to what it means unless you have had a high dose of a psychedelic experience. If you've had a deep psychedelic experience and experienced oneness with the universe, oneness with humanity and oneness with nature, you can, you can really understand what connection is. And you can see that, aha, the Western culture does not have this. And that is why we're causing an ecological collapse. And, and uh, well, they have it there. We don't have it here. And imagine, a civilist, imagine if we lived here and we didn't have, for instance, say love. If we lived our lives in a society where love was just lost, it didn't exist anymore because no one knew what it was anymore. We had forgotten it. We had lost it. We had lost love. That would be deeply tragic. And how do you explain love to a person who's never experienced it? Well, you can't, but that person will still know what love is when he or she experiences it. You don't have to teach a person that emotion. They will just intuitively know when they have it. The same goes for connection. 
when you experience connection, say through a through a um, a psychedelic experience, if you if you feel oneness with the universe and with nature and with uh, with yourself and with the with your spouse, it's an incredibly powerful emotion, and we have lost it in the West. So that's one thing: ecological collapse. That's something that has been uh, present in every civilizational collapse um, to some extent, and perhaps most so now because we have the technology to, to cause ecological collapse. The late biologist E.O. Wilson, uh, he said that we have paleolithic brains, medieval institutions, and godlike technology, but we don't have the wisdom to pair uh, with the technology that we have. And if we don't have the wisdom, if, if we don't have godlike wisdom um, to pair the technology, then the technology that we conjure can be incredibly dangerous. And in the shamanic culture, they have this type of wisdom because they are not causing the ecological collapse in the same way that we are. So that's one very important sign and symptom of a, of a civilizational collapse, the ecological collapse. The second, perhaps most, even more important uh, sign and symptom of a civilizational collapse is that we have failing institutions. And, and, and institutions are failing across the board. We can look at education, for example. That's an interesting example. I think I talk about it a bit, uh, a bit in the book. But um, I think an even more uh, important aspect of failing institutions is that, uh, well, there are four groups of people in society that have more important jobs than anybody else uh, because they advance the human project. And these uh, four groups are parents. They are raising the next generation. They're creating the next generation. They're making new people. That's one of the most important jobs there, there is. And alongside them are scientists producing new knowledge, engineers building the future, and entrepreneurs solving problems. All Every other profession just plays a supportive role. I, as a physician, I'm not contributing to the advancement of the human project. I play a supportive role. And what we are doing to these four important groups, we are raising taxes, we are uh, introducing overregulation and increasing levels of bureaucracy, and that is preventing these uh, these very important jobs from advancing the human the human project. And uh, when we can no, when we can no longer uh, work towards the future. Because we have too much regulation, too high taxes, and, and too much bureaucracy, um, well, we're going to stagnate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do Do you think Bitcoin is a path to love? Uh, the way The way I put it in in uh, Everything Divided is uh, that love is very connected to time preference, and that uh, like. Yes. High time preference and low time preference are on the same scale as fear and love, uh, because like wh when you, well, I really like I really like that. They are on the same scale. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, I never thought about yeah. that, but they are. That's brilliant. Yeah, because when when you when you have nothing, you you need to make short term decisions. Then you're afraid yes. all the time, and you're yes. afraid that you won't eat today, and you're afraid that you won't find shelter, and so on. So the more you have. Uh, in terms of things you can save for the future, 
the the lower your time preference and like it's it's not love itself it's your ability to love that increases so you have more room for love in your life when 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 you have a lower time preference yeah i have a chapter about the, the bitcoin mind in, in the book is speaking about most most of all how we evolve spiritually um, as we adopt bitcoin as a bitcoin as we allow Bitcoin to reprogram our minds for for low time preference, high time preference is of course another sign and symptom of a civilization in collapse. And as you said, Knut, so brilliantly, all all, all of this ties back to uh, currency debasement. Essentially, that's where it all stems from. But I think it's very useful to still separate the issues, even if they have a common origin. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we, maybe we can uh, throw in a, a quick quote here from from your book, Yoni, because I think we have a, a fairly fitting one uh, here. Do you think Do you think you can read it? Yeah, this is from my book. Um, the dollar suffers from a pathological growth of supply, necessarily losing its ability to store value. Mechanisms that ought to restrain the dollar's endless multiplication are malfunctioning or non-existent resulting in an uncontrollable expansion of the dysfunctional dollars. In the eyes of a humble physician, like yours truly, the pathology of the dollar sounds a lot like cancer. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what did you say before? Leukemia? That's the type yes, of cancer yes. it is? Yes. Yeah. It raises the question. If, uh, if the fiat system is indeed a societal cancer, uh, in the book I speak about society as a megastructure, perfectly... Uh, capable of having its own diseases. They are not biological, but they are diseases nonetheless. And one such disease uh, that society has uh, contracted is is uh, the fiat system. And the best analogy that I can think of to describe what this would be in, in a biological context is leukemia. Because if, if the fiat system is a cancer, we would have to sort of ask what type of cancer, because cancer is not one disease, it's 200 different diseases. Breast cancer is, has as little to do with uh, colorectal cancer as, um, as poor eyesight. They're completely different things. Uh, but leukemia is the one that fits best. Why? Well, because, first of all, the fiat system percolates at all levels of society. There's just not one organ of society that is affected. It's not just food, the food industry. It's just not uh, education. It's everything that's affected. And so, so we need uh, to talk about either a severely metastasized form of cancer or one that already affects the entire body. Leukemia is a blood cancer. It's a cancer of the blood. And, uh, and that sort of percolates all, the entire body. So... Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that leukemia is a disease of the immune system. The immune system resides in the blood, uh, primarily. What one, um, we have the white blood cells um, in the blood. We also have other lymphoid or organs that have uh, immune functions, of course, but uh, the immune system is primarily um, in the blood. So the if the, if the in the fiat leukemia, um, we have white blood cells circulating the body, going to where there's damage, and attempting to resolve an infection, isolate an infection and kill it off, or go to where there's damage and heal that damage. 
But if the infection, uh, or if, if, the, uh, if the white blood cell, if the immune system is broken, it cannot do that. So, the, so uh, if there's a cancer cell, for example, and the immune cell system cannot take care of it, it's going to grow. And the same is true here. If the, uh, the fiat system, the money of the fiat system are like broken uh, white blood cells. They cannot go to where there is damage anymore and solve the problem. They can go there and, and uh, do a little dance, but it's not going to solve the, the problem. They will still uh, target the issue. If we have uh, damage in society, we will send money there, but if the money doesn't work, it's not going to repair the, the, the damage. The same goes for the body. If we have cancer cells or infections or wounds, we need to send the immune system there. But if the immune system is broken, with leukemia, um, the cancer cells and the infections are going to spread. I was just going to say, maybe we have the second quote that uh, you can tie this together. Oh, yes. Together. Okay. Yeah, this is also from, yeah, this is from that, uh, that um, part of the book. Money is the immune system of society. Like the immune system of the body, money goes where there's damage. If society suffers a wound, a structural injury, say from a natural disaster or an act of terrorism, money flows to the wound and initiates the healing process. Like the immune system of the body, money coordinates resources to repair structural damage. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. On point. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just wanted to quickly comment on the on the perils of technology and, and technological advances like internet, for example. Uh, it's simultaneously the, the best thing that ever happened to humans and the worst thing because it's kind of like a soul social disease transmission protocol, right? I mean, diabetes, feminism, communism, depression, these are socially contagious diseases spread over the internet, like instantly, everywhere. Jamie, Jamie Oliver, there's another one. <laughs> Maybe that yeah. too. I haven't caught that one, thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but there's a technology uh, is a two-edged sword. Uh, it, it will always be. We, we wouldn't create dystopia if it weren't because it also creates utopia. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's this, uh, you know, uh, it's like from a Black Mirror episode, but people are actually putting chips in their hands now. Have you seen this? Yeah, I've seen it. Swedes are, uh, are Swedes talking are, are, to do this yes, yes. extremely stupid move. Yes, uh, I, th I think uh, worldwide, I, I don't know if it was just in Sweden or if it's worldwide, but they said something like 15,000 people already have this. Yeah. Uh, so just put a chip in the hand, like about here, and you have your credit card there. You open and lock doors, and you you do all kinds of things with it. I mean, the it's it's um, it's kind of cool. It's it's a cool technology, and it's going to make life easier. But for the CCP, it's going <laughs> to make the life easier for the yes. CCP. That's what it's going to do. But I mean, we wouldn't have invented this if it, if it you didn't think that it's going to be adopted somehow. Uh, and of course, it's dystopian. It is. Technology is, it has a, often comes with a, it, technology has an inherited dystopian nature. The technology really has the power to corrupt us and destroy us. So that is why we need the wisdom to pair our godlike technology, but we just don't. So these things happen. Well, that that's where I think Bitcoin comes in because like, 
my my latest thoughts around my latest thoughts around Bitcoin and what it does to us is like that Bitcoin's killer app is really you. It's it's all of us because of how much it changes our 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 views on what life is about and what what value is and and everything like that. So so I think we're uh, you know heading towards a society where where we're incentivized to save rather than spend and we're incentivized to help other bitcoiners because we all want bitcoin to succeed we want to pump our bags if for lack of a better term but when everyone's a bitcoiner that the, that notion does not go away we still want to help each other because we will have experienced during hyper bitcoinization how extremely powerful that insight is that the best thing you can do with your life is to help other people succeed. So when everyone's yeah. on board with that, and when there's no overconsumption anymore, then we don't need money. So so by running, the, the, the necessity for monetary transactions goes down. So by running this experiment of Bitcoin in the back of our heads, uh, we unlock something that was in us all along. We just couldn't find the private key to it. So... so <laughs> Yeah, the, the Beatles. The Beatles were right. All you needed was love. They just hadn't found the fucking equation yet. But now we have. So, so what I realized is that both you and me, Yoni, and and Nico and Luke too, we could have done done all of these Bitcoin careers, or for lack of a better term, that we've had, without ever holding a single satoshi or using a single satoshi. We could have done all of it by just helping each other, like we do now, by having this conversation. And uh, so it, it's it's already all there. Yes, yeah. It's so so there. so it's it's the, it. yes. yeah. It makes us it reprograms us, and that's so that we can find uh, what what really makes us humans, and what what we could be if we just turn to helping each other instead of you know being egoistic because of high time preference and fear. Because that's that's the opposite, and and it ties into how Bitcoin disincentivizes violence, also. Because when you when you cannot know how much how much another person owns, and you cannot take it by force very easily, then the best way of getting something out of value back from that person is by providing them with something of value. So we're incentivizing value for value and good interactions with other people by just finding this these beautiful chess rules of Bitcoin that, that we all can agree on that these are the best rules because they obviously benefit everyone who plays by them. So so it's just a matter of time. And to me, I want to speed it up. I don't want hyper-Bitcoinization to take 300 years. I want it to happen tomorrow because it would be better for everyone. Of course yeah. it would. Yeah. You know, like, Knut, I, Knut, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Nico. You're talking about I, so maybe the killer app of of Bitcoin is not you. Maybe it's me. You know, like you is yeah, kind of yeah. like an extension to we, right? Yeah, but but I can't my my I can't call my talk uh, at the conference. Bitcoin's killer app is me. That, that sends <laughs> the could. wrong signal. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it is I, I made a tweet the other day uh, saying that the more I think about it, the more I realize that the most important thing that Bitcoin is going to do for humanity is um, invoking uh, invoking spiritualism. Uh, we are becoming spiritually enlightened via Bitcoin. And yeah, that's a tricky word to define, though. 
because many many people including myself partly at this point but still uh the word spiritual has a uh it has, it has some kind uh, has, 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 yeah and it has a bad we ring to, to it in that some word. sense we have yeah, to we reclaim should. that word uh because it's uh, i mean you would agree that you have um uh, a mental health right you would agree that you have uh, financial health that you have yeah. a social health you also have yeah. a spiritual health which is not the same as mental health uh, mental health or emotional health it's uh, it's on a bigger uh, it's your e- ethos that's that's part of it absolutely and uh, like uh, i think all of these uh, all of these are connected to your reality and they 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 can actually have an impact on actual reality to a larger extent than 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 it seems at first glance you you can actually alter your reality by focusing on focusing differently you know what you know what i think would really transform your life knut yes you know psychedelics yeah psychedelics and <laughs> i i find it very fascinating that i've come to the same conclusion conclusions that that all of these people that have taken psychedelics have yeah. without yeah. ever doing them <laughs> one of the hallmarks of the experience is that you cannot describe it in words uh, you are experiencing something that is um, very very human but we just don't have the words for it it's uh, it's very weird in a sense yeah i'd uh, i'd love to, i'd love to sometime whenever i you, get the when, opportunity when you, to uh, yes. but but you know i'm a family man and uh the, the option to go out in the forest and have a shamanic ritual and stay away for four days very rarely. Uh, no, no, you do it in bed with yeah. headphones and uh, <laughs> you, you do it in bed with headphones. <laughs> All right. Yes, I, I would echo that. Like these rituals that people do and go to these retreats, that centralization of the mind. I like that's uh, you're you're basically using a in a way uh, a high priest of sorts uh, to to guide you to. Uh, through the experience but actually the experience is, uh, itself it's it's very much it's all you and yes, that's the whole point you. so and I, that's very yeah. now you're putting your on, on something very important Nico that we are sort of uh, we are training people to be guides but maybe that's the wrong approach maybe we just need a general form of education where we can have people in our family our friends to be our trip sitters and be our guides because one of the most important things about this psychedelic experience is that you have some someone present who you really know and trust and that person uh, someone that you know and trust very well would triumph uh, a, a very experienced guy that you don't know and don't trust so um yeah yeah w- well um uh, a question here yoni um it, it must have been quite a, a decision for you to go public with that you're a, a proponent of psychedelics, given that you're a medical doctor in the Swedish system, which is, is Swedish uh, laws on uh, on drugs are quite harsh. And like we're, we're not um, it's definitely not in Swedish culture, the, the Swedish culture that I grew up in, um, that it. It's it's not very okay for a doctor to to uh, to promote drugs that aren't manufactured by institutions, uh, you know, uh, approved by the state. <laughs> so so uh, w- was that a difficult decision to to like 
to come to. Like, uh, I need to share this experience and I need to go public with my, you know, experiences with, with psychedelics. Was was that hard or, or uh, didn't you, maybe you didn't think much about it at all? No, it wasn't hard. I just don't have the energy to be anything other than who I am. That, that's a good answer. And, and that's like how I think people should be in general. And I think Bitcoin does that to people. Like, I mean, uh, it ties, ties in well with skin in the game. Also, if you're honest, if you're honest in your public profile, then you're honest to yourself and like being honest and, uh, Put, putting yourself out there the way you are instead of like as some form of facade is very powerful because it makes you it makes you rethink yourself i think and question yourself and hopefully you'll end up even more honest when you do yes yes and also i've had this experience before um i'm, I'm an mma fighter and that was not always a cool thing to be in society so I you're an you M- So you're an MMMMD. <laughs> sure, <laughs> if you like. Um, I don't know if you remember, but just like 10, 15 years ago, uh, people saw MMA as uh, modern gladiators, and I, I mean, in a sense, they are. But they had this. Uh, it had this very negative connotation to it. And it was not something that uh, a physician would uh, talk about openly just 10, 15 years ago. Nope. And it's the, same, it's the same thing with Bitcoin. I mean, it's, uh, it's not a cool thing everywhere. It is now, but it wasn't five years ago. Heavyweight you, boxing was, is still forbidden in Sweden, right? It is. If you were a Bitcoin Bitcoiner, if you were talking about Bitcoin openly uh, just five years ago, people would assume that you were either a criminal or a pedophile. Yeah, at least it's not quite like that these days but it's still not easy to be a bitcoiner in yeah. public and it, it's it, it's certainly still advantageous to pick your situation where you will tell someone yes you yes. are you don't want to screw up a relationship anyway so i think yeah. that you can very much relate to my position on uh, on being a proponent of psychedelic because it's the very same thing i have i, I i'm very well read on the subject. I understand what I'm talking about. I know the research. I know the science. I trust the data. And I I truly believe that psychedelics are being reintroduced in society and it's going to do good. If we look back in the 60s when we had this first psychedelic renaissance, we were not ready for it. We were not ready for it. But we are now. I truly believe that we are now. We are ready for it in a way that we, we did so many mistakes in the 60s. And we understand well, so much the, more now. The biggest mistake was Charles Manson, wasn't it? Like he sort of oh, ended well. with that. <laughs> we did a lot of mistakes. We we uh, we understand now that those set and settings are very important aspects of how you consume psychedelics, and we just had no idea back then. We had no idea. We didn't know about those set and settings. Uh, we didn't know what psychedelics were for, and now the narrative has changed. Now it has become this. Uh, this tool for understanding the mind that uh, has never ex- that we had just haven't used before, and we, you can think of it like if you want to understand uh, the uh, the speech centers of the brain, it's not enough to study language. You have to look at the brain. You have to see that the Broca's area, which is sort of the motor 
uh, the area responsible for the motor function of speech is connected to the uh, vernicus area via the arcuate fasciculus is called and you cannot uh, you cannot figure that out by simply studying language you have to look at the brain but if you only look at the brain you cannot you, you will never see the beauty of language you will never understand what language is by simply looking at the brain and the same is true for psychedelics and understanding the mind. We have l- tried to figure out consciousness and the human exper- the, the experience of being a human being, and by looking at the mind, by putting our putting people in MRI scanners and just looking at the mind, uh, looking at the brain, and that only takes us so far. Now that we have psychedelics, psychedelics means mind manifesting, so we can actually see what is going on in the mind in a different way uh, than, uh, than we are now just in a normal problem-solved state of mind. When we enter that other room, that psychedelic room, we're no longer in a problematic, problematic st- or in, our, in a state of mind where we just solve problems. We are in a, in a different dimension, if you will. And we can see our thoughts being generated. We can see what are the integration between mind and body and see how it all emerges. It manifests, manifests what's going on in the mind in a very concrete way. The psychedelic experience is a very scientific thing if we treat it like, like a scientific thing. It's uh, probably the best tool for understanding human consciousness that we, that we have. Can, Beautiful. Can I... Can I um, uh, this is this has been a long thread on the psychedelic bit, but there's there's one other line we had going uh, about how Bitcoin could also lead to kind of the spiritualization, and I'm wondering if maybe you you could tie those two together to to bring this this all, um, yeah yeah yeah. Well, I could try. Uh. <laughs> This, this is a big topic. This is a big topic. Uh, but we, if we're going to condense it, uh, I can say that as we've touched on um, uh, before in this conversation, Bitcoin reprograms the mind. And that is difficult to understand. We need to back up a step and realize that what we are, we are algorithms. Our brains are a set of, uh, of billions and billions of algorithms that make you who you are and these algorithms change they they can be reprogrammed you can reprogram your brain your algorithms for example if when you learn a language that is an operating system that determines how you act socially if you if you're an english speaking person compared to a chinese speaking person you will um, only by uh, switching between those languages uh, manifests different personalities because it's uh, because they are different operating systems for the mind. The same goes for money. Money is also an operating system of the mind, but it's a different kind of operating system. It's an operating system that doesn't really affect, well, it does affect personality, but not in the same way that languages. Instead, it's an operating system that affects time preference. It affects how we see time. It affects how we see the future, the present, and the past. And if we 
if we have a form of money, if we bathe our mind day in and day out in a form of money that uh, that holds value in the long term, we will be able to think long term. We will be able to think about the future in ways we will not if we have a form of money that loses value in the short term. So uh, it re Bitcoin reprograms the mind to uh, give us low time preference. Uh, but that is not all it does. Uh, that is very that's um, an important base for for a spiritual journey because we 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 will never go on spiritual journeys if we are pushed into the present by uh, by money that loses value constantly. So when we have the uh, when we are enabled to think about the future and have a long term uh, mindset, we can go on these. Uh, spiritual journeys but exactly why bitcoin why and how bitcoin triggers these moral explorations and invokes these spiritual journeys i'm not entirely sure i've thought about this a lot and i have i i'm not really sure i'm hoping that uh, other people are thinking about this as well because bitcoin clearly um, invokes spiritual journeys and and catalyzes moral exploration and i think it has to do with the quality of the money the thing the the fact that we become uh, that we adopt a a long-term mindset yeah and uh, just to add real quick how uh, it also uh illuminates how how misinformed we've been all our lives and how much bullshit we've been we've been attacked with through all sorts of like the word social sciences it's all yeah. bullshit. It's just opinions. Seeing so, it through narratives is so, one uh, very yeah. important aspect of Bitcoin. It helps us. It's it, you know, it's it's an orange pill. It's uh, it helps us th- see through the cultural narratives that we have. It's it's a spiritual awakening in itself, and that may possibly contribute. Um, if you have experienced one spiritual awakening, you are likely to ex- experience several spiritual awakenings. And Bitcoin allows us to see through the narratives about how money works, what we need a state for, um, and uh, all these ideas that you know um, make society what it is. It really helps us see through all that and see it for what it is. It helps us. It helps us wake up to a colder world, but a more truer, a truer world. The same thing is true for psychedelics. We come closer to reality. Psychedelic is not a drug like uh, like alcohol. Instead, we 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 uh, we uh, come into a second gear um, with which we understand reality. We come closer to reality. We come. We see it in. It's a very sober experience. And the same is true for Bitcoin. We we it helps us to see reality as it really is. And yeah, I, I would just, I would just add, I would just add to that. Like uh, Terence McKenna said, that psychedelics don't work on stupid people, right? I think it's quite similar. You're quoting with- Terence McKenna. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so I, I, I think like not now it occurred to me that the same is with Bitcoin. Like it doesn't work on stupid people. Like it, it won't change you spiritually. Like maybe, I, maybe I'm- it's possible that. Uh, masses lack the capacity to transcend spiritually so bitcoin won't fix that but what bitcoin does make possible is to have better leaders for the masses 
And this goes back to what I said earlier about like the, you know, the we is always wrong and only right by proxy to me, which is you know, not physically me, but, uh, you know, so-called thought leaders. I'm more optimistic than that. I think Bitcoin will help those most unfortunate the most. Like it will help poor people more than it will help rich people. Um, in theory, yes, but that's that's not the point that I'm trying to make. I'm no, I, I, I it, see it will your, do. I it will help point. people as a proxy, the the the, the people who need need it the most and can benefit yeah. from it most yeah. will not take the initiative. So it's up to us. Yeah, this sounds like a good start for a for another one and a half hour discussion. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say the show. same thing. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think this, this specific line even is is just. Uh, I, I hope we we can we can talk again, Yoni, because this was this was a f- fantastic. Uh, I can't wait Phenomenal. for your book. Uh, I, yeah, I will you. read it enthusiastically. I hope we're getting a finished translation too, because I think that would be brilliant. Um, Count on it. You're going to read that one, Luke. In Finnish, I, I only read in Finnish these days. I have to, I have to duplicate the uh, the, the time. Uh, it's got to be language learning plus the Bitcoin learning at the same time. Um, okay, some some final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to thank Yoni for coming on, and I think this was an absolutely awesome conversation. And like Luke, I hope we can have. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that you will be a steady guest on this show. Like every tenth show so or something, you'll uh, you'll be here. I'm sure. Because I think this is a very valuable conversation. I think you're one of the most underrated voices in the Bitcoin space. And uh, just be aware of that when when Bitcoin 10 exists, so will you. So I just like to, to add some some stuff about uh, what we talked about last week. The the auctions for Hodlonaut are are now over, and I'm very happy to announce that the um, uh, Bitcoin Infinity Key, uh, public key art- artist proof number one out of three, the Fractal Encrypt made, uh, uh, sold for five, 57.5 million Satoshis. That's more than half a Bitcoin. And my little signed special edition of hardcover book so that I made just for this thing uh, managed to bring in 2.2 million sats, which I'm also very, very happy about. So uh, thanks to everyone who has contributed to to Hodlonaut's legal case. Uh, uh, that 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 money is all very well spent, and we'll see her in a couple of weeks, where 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 this story of Craig, David Goliath type story will will end. But uh, we know what team we're on uh, here at Freedom Footprint. This is the, the address down there, defendingbtc.com. That's where you go to find out how you can help Hodlonaut in these forthcoming weeks. Yoni, thank you very much for coming on. And I'm looking forward to your book a lot. Uh, and hope you get the, uh, the time to, to get to one of these conferences uh, this autumn. If not, you're always welcome to Spain or wherever I happen to be in the world. Uh, so, so I'm sure we'll meet in real life sometime too. You're one of those that I am yet to tick off that box with. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks everyone for listening to us. Thank you. Yeah, I want to add, add, add to that. Um, you know, I couldn't be happier to have have uh, Yoni publish with us. Like it's been a, a wonderful discussion and wonderful to 
listen to you and uh, I couldn't be more honored to be privy to your book uh, as one of the one of the first people and help help editing it and make it into the the best version that it can be and maybe I can uh, maybe this is a good moment to share my screen as well uh, to sh showcase maybe some of the cool art that we have there keep in mind of course this is uh, this is a very early version of the book and there's going to be a, a lot of editing to be done but extremely excited about this release i think like you only said in the beginning like this is a, this is an untouched uh, field in bitcoin and i wouldn't say necessarily like an entry level book but this is a really deep really really meaningful book in my opinion and i think that uh, it's a unique approach and it gives kind of like comprehensive philosophic mathematical treatment uh, for the socio-economical, spiritual, even geopolitical implications of transferring from a fiat empire into a Bitcoin empire. And I just, um, I'm just super uh, humbled and, and excited to be a part of this. So you can see probably the art right now. Um, let, me, let me just show you the other ones as well, because this is really cool. For those yeah, listening, here's again, one, I want to here's check one out with the, uh, the YouTube uh, video for this to get a, a preview of the, the art. But there's some, uh, yeah, quite uh, striking images. The one we're looking at now is of a US dollar having some things happen to it and some wonderful art going into this book. Right. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna give it all away, but uh, you know, expect great things from this. This is gonna be available, obviously, in original English at first, but then multiple, multiple different languages. I'm, I'm fairly certain of that. Um, so yeah, if if you wanna uh, get get into this project, you you think you want you wanna read it, you wanna translate it into your language, contact me anytime. We'll we'll get it up and running, and this is gonna be huge. Really, really excited. Thank you, Yoni. Thanks for thanks for listening or watching. This has been the Freedom Footprint Show, and thanks again to Yoni. Africa.